Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hotline with Hunter Withrow rolls on here at outkick.com slash watch. Glad you're with us this afternoon. We're hitting all the headlines. We've got the Dan Quinn uh, discussion uh, wrapped up with uh, Armando there. Big thanks to him for joining us. Dan Quinn, new head coach of the Washington Commanders. It wraps up all the coaching searches for the cycle of 2024. Chad, the, uh, the lawsuit cycle uh, across the NCAA The lawsuit continues. cycle never stops. The 2024 not. cycle well underway. It'll continue throughout the year 2024. Che Mock uh, in studio with us here at 6th and Peabody with Yah Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Sports agent, uh, professor, and, and more. And, and friend. Yeah, and friend. And we can also call him a friend, friend. of ours. Yes. yes. Uh, good to see you, Che. Good to see you as well. Uh, what's the most confusing aspect of this NCAA, State of Tennessee, Commonwealth of Virginia, this, this whole saga that's playing out right in front of us? We're a lot of statements. Are we actually going to see any resolution to this, or is this just going to be a lot of bickering back and forth? I, I think in the – first off, thank you guys for having me. Oh, of course, appreciate it. Glad to be here. Good to see you guys. Good to have you here. Um, I think that the immediate ramifications will be that a TRO um, will uh, provide uh, for the continuance of the current landscape as it, as it exists in the NIL. Um, current meaning like it's going to change and – by that time, it's not going to matter. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, current meaning that, you know, right now it is sort of a free-for-all, right? Mm-hmm. And, and many people call it, uh, you know, the wild, wild west or, or give it some other connotation. And uh, the creation of the free-for-all is a result of the NCAA sitting back and not really doing anything about regulating. Um, they've, they've, they've passed suggestions along um, since the Austin case about how to manage – NIL. Um, but intentionally, the NCAA uh, was hesitant in putting any type of strict regulations that could be deemed a violation of antitrust, primarily because when the Supreme Court ruled that uh, Austin should and will provide for athletes to go out and pursue name, image, and likeness rights, the, the, the Supreme Court was almost daring the NCAA to put a restriction that could be challenged. So the NCAA took a step back and said, we're just going to let this play itself out. Um, the problem, obviously, that we're running into and that the NCAA has run into now is that I think they were trying to make an example out of Tennessee. And as a result, um, I think that, you know, uh, with the, the AG um, going into the, um, uh, the details and the scope of sort of the antitrust violations that are possible here, a TRO will, will take place and there will be a continuance of sort of this open field for NIL. And I think over the long term, I think the NCAA will actually try to fight this and see where they can go. I, I doubt there will be a um, uh, an agreed-upon resolution without it going to court, but we'll see. There will be uh, there will be lawyers. There will be court cases and uh, and law, law offices. There will be uh, blood. That's right. The there Daniel Day-Lewis movie now, sure. there, there will be lawyers. Jay um, Mock is uh, with the ESQ agency and uh, – you can follow him on social at Mock Says. Well, and Che, I'm glad we've got you in studio to discuss this because 
I do think it's going to take a lawyer or group of lawyers to figure out what to do with the future of the NCAA and how they're going to regulate, let's just say, major college football as a sport. And you know this, right? As a sports agent, you know you are an agent for your client. So you're always representing your client. The NCAA has agents, or excuse me, lawyers. The University of Tennessee has lawyers. The collective has lawyers. They're all representatives and agents for their clients. But if you could just take that and get someone in the middle that could decide from a legal standpoint, what can we do that's not going to get us in trouble with the Supreme Court while also doing what's right for college sports and the student athletes where they can maximize their value and make money in college, that has to happen from a lawyer at some point, right? Yeah, I, I think, and that's a, that's a heavily loaded question. So I, I think I'm a heavily loaded guy. What can I say? You know, <laughs> yeah. I ask loaded questions. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I need like a, you, I need a lawyer that your only responsibility <laughs> is Jay, to be you are a, our last like a, saving grace a, a moderator, right? Yeah. Someone in the middle. that's like, Save here's what you should do. And here is what legally both sides can do. There's a, there's a lot to flesh out here. And, and, you know, one of the things that we need to take into consideration is that there was many opportunities for someone to fix this. Um, you know, it, it wasn't as if the, the, all of a sudden the waters were treading and a tidal wave just erupted without anybody having any type of recognition that this would occur. Um, for the past, you know, since O'Bannon, right, um, there's been issues that have been brought up and brought to the attention of the NCAA to say, look, you know, you have all these uh, cogs in your will uh, but none of them are getting paid, yeah. right? And, you, and you've got this powerhouse that continues to grow. You know, you see the arms race with facilities and you see coaches' salaries going up and, you know, restrictions don't exist for coaches like they did for players. And so you have players not being able to get pecuniary value and also being restricted from the ability to go out and seek the best opportunity for themselves. And so the NCAA sat back and ignored it. And I think – it's, it's what's making and going to make this um, resolution difficult between attorneys and, and um, smart, well-rounded, sensible people. I think the framework you have to start from, and if it's a true belief of the NCAA, you have to sit back and say, what is truly in the best interest of our college athletes? And if you say that from the outset, then I believe that you're going to say, in a capitalist society of America, that someone having the ability to go and procure their market value, if we say that the market should indeed work itself out, is in the best interest of the athlete. Having the ability for someone not to be restricted from going to a university or an institution that can, one, influence their market value, but two, perhaps influence their educational value, or both, hopefully, which is what college athletics is supposed to be, so you take that framework, and then I think you, you say, okay, we don't want this to be professional. We've moved away from the old idea of what the NCAA qualified as amateur. So where do we meet in the middle? There are frameworks that exist, good or bad, like them or otherwise, where this has succeeded in some capacity. If you look at the minor league baseball system, right? Triple A, double A, single A, professional. You, you know within that framework that there has been some level of bargaining to say that, hey, you're going to only be paid at this much of a level because of the skill sets that you maintain and that 
you're going to have some level of rights as an employee, but it's not going to be at the major league level. But you're still you're you're still paid. The, the salaries are sort of capped, right? They're not, um, and, and you're still sort of given in in a in a way some of the um, some of the subsequent rights that you would otherwise get when you become a professional. You're protected. You're able to unionize, um, and you are able to see the the differences, albeit you know, uh, not necessarily substantial, but you're able to see the differences in what they get at each professional level or at each level of single A, double A, triple A, et cetera. Right. And so I think you, you look at that framework. You also look at, um, a framework perhaps of, you know, getting maybe that chip Kelly model and saying, all right, let's separate basketball and football and put, uh, you know, the, the, the reality of this money together so that the players can enjoy can can enjoy the benefits of the money, right? And that we're not having the tennis team of Oregon play the tennis team of North Carolina. It doesn't make sense. Let's regionalize our uh, Olympic sports and let's nationalize the the revenue sports. And I, I think somewhere you fall in between. I don't claim to know the answer, but I think that you can sit down and you can get to some type of resolution just sensibly thinking in what's in the best interest of the college athletes. Let's put your agent hat on now, Che. What's your advice? If you're repping uh, a major college star, let's say they've got two years left of college eligibility before they can go pro, what's your advice to them in regards to NIL and, and how they handle that within the construct of the team, their free time, all of those things? If you're advising someone, because there's going to be a lot of critics that say, oh, this is going to ruin the sport, because kids aren't going to be able to handle it, and they're not going to be able to handle that kind of money, what would your advice be to that young athlete? You know, anytime, anytime anyone in any profession and comes across a, a large amount of money, it, it takes a considerable amount of attention to manage that money. Um, and especially when it's a young man or woman at the age of 18 to 21, particularly if they've come from economic circumstances where they didn't know how to deal with it. Um, I always will advise a client to do what's in the best interest of his or her family. And I would advise a client to, one, you know, take hold of the value and understand that with whatever value is coming in an NIL market, there are some risks. For example, if you move out of a market like the SEC to go perhaps to a market the, let's say the, the, the previous Pac-12, right? Um, and you're in a position where, as a positional player, you would shine in the SEC, you'd get more value as a player. I might tell him to take strong consideration into the risk associated with going to get a little bit more money now versus his future prospect, right? So you balance the, the right now versus then. I would never tell someone, though, to leave money on the table if I knew it wasn't gonna affect his future, right? It's um, a good point. You know, because you want to, you, you have to take into consideration again that at the here and now, people are some some athletes are, are struggling, right? Or some athletes don't have that financial ability or flexibility um, to not take on money at, at the current time. And so, you know, I always would give that advice first and foremost. Say, what's in the best interest of your family right now, and is it going to be risk or more risk uh, risky for you to take on that level of finance and and you know, take the risk of perhaps diminishing the value that you're perceived at at your position. The second thing I would say is, you know, as a as a um, 
as an agent and somebody who's a fiduciary, I would always make sure that we're protecting the athlete's name, image, and likeness, both now and in the future, right? That's the number one thing because a lot of athletes are getting into these agreements where they're giving almost lifelong, um, non-limited duration uh, image and licensing rights, and right? So you gotta make sure that you're protecting your athlete so that they're not giving away something that they didn't realize. Um, and you take those two things into consideration and obviously, um, you know, if there's a if there's a huge value, if there's some type of, uh, you know, scandal or not, I shouldn't say scandal, but if there's some type of uh, questionable uh, money or, or person or individual tied to it, then of course we take that into consideration. But I really, those two things, you know, what's in the best interest of the family right now, what's in the best interest of your future and make sure you're not giving away too much. All right, Jay, uh, just a quick top of the Top of the mind answer here. Um, how long until we have the players' union in college football? <laughs> is it three years down the road? Is it sooner? Is it further? So recognize that in order to unionize, you have to be an employee, right? Um, so you so, stop playing and say, "Hey, we're going to unionize and then pay us." Well, not not until so. You you recall the uh, North Northwestern uh, tried mm-hmm. to unionize, right? And, and yep. they were not given and granted the ability to unionize. Um, so in, in order to unionize, first and foremost, you have to be an employee. And I, I think um, I, I think that the unionization will come if and only to the extent that, you know, intelligent minds agree that we need to, in order to protect the best interests of college athletes, make them employees of the universities. But who's representing the player in that discussion if they're not an employee? Don't they have it better right now for the guys that are making a lot of money to not have to be a university employee and to get checks for name, image, likeness? To just not have to deal with that? It depends on who you ask. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, that's what I'm saying. I think the guys that are making the most are probably better off not being a part of a union. But everybody could get more. Now, the backup linebacker that's not making anything would probably benefit from being a part of a union with the quarterback. Yeah, but you, you got to think, Chad, about the fact that, you know, with unionization and, and collective bargaining comes not just the here and now, but the future, mm-hmm. the, the insurance, uh, the protections from a labor standpoint. I, I, you know, there's a reason that every professional organization that's well-run has a union. It's not by happenstance because at one point or another, all of the best players were benefiting greater than the, the people at the bottom, but yet they all decided to collectively bargain together in the best interest of, of the whole. I, I think that there, it's, it's been very intentional that, that players were not recognized as employees by both the NCAA and by the universities. Um, it opens up a can of worms that is far, well, for one, it, it, it certainly, without question, um, from a federal standpoint, it goes into clear and obvious violations of antitrust, right? Um, but, but even still, it creates a sort of um, labor requirement from a university standpoint that they're gonna have to recognize the, the real value of the employees, right? And so the linebacker that you referenced that's the third string linebacker on the team might not have, you know, a meal plan 
quite as nice as the starting quarterback, or he certainly doesn't have an NIL deal, and he probably doesn't have insurance as nice either. That's going to change when you unionize, right? Um, and, and he may still not have as great, but he's going to have something pretty good. And so I think we're pretty far off from that because I, I, I don't think that anyone's ready to, to take the step of providing them as employees. And I think that could also run into some Title IX issues that we can talk about on another yeah. day. But I, I don't know if it's going to happen too soon. We'll wait on your book, um, Title Nine. We'll that. Uh, That'd be great. We better get a free copy of that book. <laughs> Absolutely. As long as you'll sign it, I'll buy it. That's right. Jay, you're the man. Appreciate you coming here and doing this. Thank you so much. Thank Enlightening. You. Yes, thank you guys for having me. Enjoyed it. I appreciate it. At Mock Says is where you can find him on social. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to wrap things up. And uh, speaking of just the legalities of things, there's a there was a, a suit that was filed against Kiffin and Ole Miss that, well, it doesn't exist currently. Yep. Right Tossed now. away. That's next on Hot Mike. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, so the uh, the forty million dollar lawsuit that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin faced uh, against uh, Desanto Rollins, I believe is uh, the player's name, uh, a player that was alleging abusive behavior by Kiffin uh, that had, had cited discrimination. Well, the judge threw out this this suit, saying that Rollins had a lack of evidence yeah, he, to back up the alleged discrimination. He recorded Kiffin when Kiffin didn't know. Yeah, when Kiffin was. Telling them that you're an idiot if you think that you can just leave and not tell us where you are, then come back to practice at some point. So he was unable to prove that his uh, alleged mistreatment by Kiffin was, quote, motivated by gender or racially based discrimination. Quote from the judge, um, and the judge's name is Michael Mills, uh, U.S. District Court, said Wednesday, although Kiffin's conduct in the meetings was certainly offensive and imprudent, it's more akin to immature insults and indignities than to behavior going beyond all possible bounds of decency. So no more lawsuit for Kiffin. And they fought it from the jump, as did the university. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to go too far. And, and hey, and it said, it, it, the judge stated, like, it was up to Rollins whether or not he wanted to be a part of the, the team. Like, it was, it was totally his decision and his decision alone based on how Ole Miss and the football program Well, yeah, you can walk this. at any point. You're just not on scholarship anymore. Right, and he was never kicked and off that the was, team. Was we, also we played the audio of, of Kiffin, he's basically saying, yeah, it's and, not how it works. Yeah, in, the real, in the real world, in the you real show world, up to work. Yeah, you, you're on scholarship here. You can't disappear, not tell anyone, not return a call, and then come back and say this and act like everything's okay. That's yeah. just not how it works. Chad, at the end of it... Uh, he used some other words in there in his oh, tirade, yeah. but that's... I heard it as that's how football coaches talk. That's that's how coaches talk sometimes. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of these instances recently where I think about Minnesota, where uh, punishment by exercise. I mean, any of us can relate to having to do that in high school. I, uh, th this story, that the language, that's come on. You didn't show up to a high school practice, you wouldn't be able to. And PJ Fleck had to back down. 
Yeah, he did. He had to change things. He, to, he, he couldn't he have punishment by exercise he, anymore. He could not run stairs. <laughs> That's odd. It, it is. And then with all that going on, you have Michigan as your national champion. World champions. Hell to the victor's value. <laughs> Hell to the victor's value. Way to get it done, guys. Chad, describe today's show. By all any means necessary. Today's show was fast-paced. We definitely declared Prima Nocta on this show from the very beginning. Uh, Che Mock was in here. He declared Prima Nocta on his segment. (laughs) Got through it. We discussed legal issues as if we're actors playing the parts of attorneys in a a movie that's very well made. And don't we see what's happening with the NCAA? Armando was good. Yeah, we laid everything out, what the NCAA is up to and how they're not going to win. And how Tennessee is now leading the charge. Who would have thought that Tennessee, the authors of Shiano Sunday, will be the leaders of the destruction of the NCAA with every other team in the NCAA and program right there with and them, it's through ready to lead the one charge. One of the main leaders, if not the leader, for collectives, Inspire Sports, that's backing them. One of my favorite partners. message board genius posts Go was ahead. from a Tennessee fan who posted, I think, on the VolQuest board that said, don't they know that our fight song includes a part about killing feds when talking about the NCAA coming <laughs> to town? Look it up. Rocky hey. Top. There's a part in there. It's a little bit hidden, but it's about feds that climbed old Rocky Top looking for a moonshine still. Those strangers still haven't come down from Rocky Top, and we reckon they never will. And we haven't left uh, Old Smoky. Those strangers are authorities that are dead. That's, that's, yeah, the, that's no the moral of that us. story. Six of Peabody, our location. Uh, back at it for the Friday edition. Hope you'll join us. Hot Mile with Hutton Withrow right here for outkick.com slash watch. Plenty of moonshine here. <laughs> <laughs>